Hi there, Louis Lord Nelson here, host of UDL in 15 Minutes, to remind you of my newest podcast, UDL Research in 15 Minutes, where researchers share their findings about the implementation, the impact, and the in-depth investigations of the UDL framework. The first episode will air on July 29, 2020, and I'm excited to announce that it is with David Rose, co-founder of CAST and the original UDL rock star. You'll be able to link to this extended interview at my website, www.theudlapproach.com under podcasts or through the YouTube channel, UDL Research in 15 Minutes, or the podcast source of your choice. But for now, here's UDL in 15 Minutes. Hello and welcome to UDL in 15 Minutes, where educators discuss their experiences with UDL. I'm Louie Lord Nelson, UDL author and leader. Today, I'm talking with Brandy Major and Lauren Holcomb of Redlands High School in Redlands, California. Today, Brandy and Lauren are going to share how they wove UDL into a unit on research for Lauren's freshman. Hello to you both. How are you? Doing great. Thanks. Just taking it day by day in this crazy world. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's it's nice today. We have some nice, cool weather in California, so it's a good day. <laughs> ah, wonderful, wonderful. Well, it's great to talk to you both. Thank you. So, first off, will you each share your background in education? Okay, I guess I'll go ahead and start. I taught English for eight years, and then I became a high school teacher librarian, and I've done that for seven years. Okay, and that's Brandy, right? Yes. Okay, great. How long have you been at Redlands High School? I have been at Redlands High School for seven years as a teacher librarian. And then Lauren, what about you? I have taught English for nine years and all of them have been at Redlands High School. So are you guys both from that area or did you move in? I actually grew up in Redlands. I went to the rival high school, Redlands East Valley, and then I ended up getting hired at RHS and I had to I had to earn that for a while because I went to the rival high school. (laughs) (laughs) What about you, Brandy? I am actually an outsider, um, but my first teaching job was at Redlands East Valley, where Lauren was actually a student. I was never her teacher, but we were there at the same time. Ah, Nice, nice. So what's a good description of Redlands High School? What's the student body like, size, that kind of stuff? Well, Redlands High School has a really long and distinctive history. It's filled with a lot of pride and tradition. It was founded in 1891 and is the oldest public high school in the state of California, still functioning on its original site. Oh, my gosh. Um, Right. It's amazing. Um, But we're also a school of innovative thinkers and learners. We earned the California Distinguished School Award last year for excellence in teaching, learning, and collaboration. We have a diverse um, student body with about 2,400 students, grades 9 through 12. Wow. Oh, my gosh. So then are you guys in the same district as other high schools, like the Redlands East Valley? Is that in the same district or youth soul high school for your district? We are in the same district. We have three high schools. Well, technically four high schools. We have three high schools and then the continuation school in Redlands. Okay, so it's a lot of students across the district. A lot of students, yes. Yeah, so that's a 
big deal to be recognized then as that school of excellence within that huge district. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I understand that you both worked together design a unit to help Lauren's freshmen learn how to research and that you used the UDL framework to help you design it. And I'd love it if you guys would talk about that. Yes. So teaching the research process is one of the most difficult tasks, I think, as an English teacher. It just consists of so many things. It consists of finding good research, finding good facts, incorporating MLA format, and then also teaching them how to organize all of that and put it into writing. And so Brandy and I were at a Google cohort training where we learned about hyperdocs. And I looked at her and I said, we need to do this for the research paper. And then Brandy is probably the best librarian out there. She just like took it and ran with it. And she did so much um, on this hyperdoc to help my students. It's amazing. Nice. So then uh, either one of you, but as you guys were talking about the Google cohort training and this hyperdoc idea, when did UDL come into your conversation? Was it an immediate, oh, wow, this really aligns and we can use the framework with what we're doing? How, how did that come about? I think the hyperdoc just naturally lent itself to UDL, which worked very well with Lauren's students because they're very diverse. Did you want to speak about your students a little bit, Lauren? Yes. So I have about 35 students in a class and it's a huge mix of students. I have English language learners. I usually have at least four to five. I have several students on IEPs and 504s who have different learning needs. And then I also have students who maybe should have taken honors, but chose to take regular English who need that challenge a little bit. And so I was looking for a way when there's two of us, two adults and 35 students who are all going to move at a different pace to make that work a little bit better while we're in the library doing our research. And so each of those students could kind of work at their own pace, but still be successful. Nice. So talk about how you guys set that hyperdoc up to do exactly what you just said, to help them know what direction they needed to go, but give them that flexibility to pace as they needed to. From the very beginning, since the hyperdoc is set up like a game board, they can move from square to square. And from that very first square, we went ahead and put in the topics. And what I did was I looked for resources that would help them with those topics. So the first thing that I found was we have something called discovery education, and it has really short videos and clips. And so Lauren selected different topics on civil rights for the students to research. And I went ahead and included those little video links, which they could click on and they could watch them. They're super short. They can rewind them if they needed to. They have closed captioning. So immediately they're in, they're invested. If they need to rewind, they can go back on their own. If they're ready to jump ahead, they can move on to the next one. Again, giving them that flexibility. And it was nice with those videos, they could then choose a topic that they would be interested in instead of me just assigning them a topic. And then we also threw in a fifth option. If they had received a B or higher on their last essay, they were allowed to pick a topic of their own as long as they got it approved by me and it fit into the civil rights era that we were focusing on. 
Did you find that you had a higher level of student engagement with the process? Do you feel like you got better products? What were the outcomes of this? The outcome was definitely better than I'm used to. We did the HyperDoc. This is the second year we've done it. And just the change from the years before the HyperDoc to the first year to the HyperDoc to what we made a few changes to the second year of the HyperDoc has progressively gotten so much better, not just for us, but for the students because they had so many resources they could work on at home. If they were lost, if they were absent, they had all the tools they needed to catch up if they had to wait on us to help them. Nice. Now, I love the fact that it's using this idea of the hyperdoc and that there are pieces and parts to it. But then we also know that that's just something, a structure within the learning environment. So like you were just talking about essentially sustaining effort and persistence, that students knew that they could keep themselves working, even if they had a question, they could loop back to it, but they would still move forward. So even though the materials are there and that HyperDoc is a great tool and strategy, what other things do you feel like you've done in your learning environment that are supporting your students in something like sustaining effort and persistence and that self-regulation piece where they are setting their own goals and moving toward things? I think one in the resources that we chose for them, again, we started with the Discovery Ed And in addition to that, I used our California State K-12 online content databases. And they're super accurate and reliable resources that provide a massive amount of digital information, including newspaper articles, scholarly journals, magazines, books. So it's giving students all of this information, which oftentimes when they do research is very overwhelming because they can't tell the difference yet between what's quality and what's not. So allowing them to see quality sources and understanding what they look like was very helpful to them. And in addition to that, when they actually click, like one of the resources was Britannica. When they get to Britannica, they can actually self-select their reading level and break it up and no one else has to know. So again, we're talking about them being able to change that on their own. And again, it just gives them that sense of being able to accomplish something at their own pace and at their own level. Physically, at the time that Lauren was with us in the library, our library was set up so that they were sitting so they couldn't move. But now we're changing that. Um, We're setting things up differently where students will be able to move to be more comfortable, um, to be in an atmosphere where they feel they can be most productive and make those positive choices for doing that. In addition to that, we also have the ProQuest library database in which students, when they're looking at the articles, and some of them are scholarly journals and they can often be difficult for students, they have an option to click listen and they can listen along as they are reading. And again, for us to set up the library in a way where they can actually be comfortable listening to that. So maybe not a traditional desk and chair as we normally do. We're trying to switch that up for them and give them the space to make those choices where they can learn in the best environment possible. What I adore that I'm hearing is that you guys not only are using and thinking about the UDL framework in your design for your learners, that 
it's also becoming a point of reflection for you. And you're opening up opportunities to the students because now you're starting to feel more comfortable. You guys are, it's like you're all growing together. So from this outside perspective, it's really beautiful to see and hear about. Do you sense that? Have you felt that yourselves? Have you reflected on that? I definitely think it's been really encouraging. I, you know, when we sat in this Google cohort training, just the ability to have a tool that was going to be able to make the research process easier for my students and for the two of us in the library trying to help 35 students at once, we were really excited about it. And it's nice to work together because we get extra excited about new things we find that we can add to this to make it easier. It's just really nice to see students more confident in the library. Yeah. I think the other part of this that just was flowing into my brain that goes back to what I was just saying is that we know that tools that lend themselves to the framework that allow for the flexibility, allow for the choice, allow for access and help build rigor and help the students reach the goal, that those are fabulous things to have, but a tool in and of itself does not replace the environment that's created by the lead instructors. So you guys had to create this environment, and I'm hearing you talk about how you've expanded it, not only with with the seating and being able to sit where they're most comfortable, but then it also sounds like you're doing a lot of active promotion of these choices to the students, because if they aren't used to the fact that they can listen to an article, that maybe they wouldn't choose it because they would think, oh, that's the easy way out. So did you have additional conversations with students? Did you need to encourage them to use these pieces of choice? Definitely. And one of the great things, too, about working with Lauren is she's not afraid to try new things. She's not afraid to go there. And that is definitely a model for her students saying it's okay. We're going to try things. We may fail, but we can try again. And it's such a great role model for them. So when they see us, we might be a little nervous at the beginning trying something new and saying, hey, we're going to move around for this but letting them see that that's okay. Letting them know that it's not the easy way out to listen to the article. It's adapting to you so you can be the best that you can possibly be. And all of us have these unique qualities and all of us have different ways in which we can best share our voice. And to be able to promote that and model that is something that I really see in Lauren and her teaching And that's what makes it so great to collaborate with her and her students, showing them that their voice is just as important. We are all teachers and students together in this. Oh, that's You're so sweet, Brandy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's clear you guys have an incredibly wonderful collaborative relationship. And I'm so appreciative that you were willing to take some time on a beautiful day in California to talk with me for the UDL in 15 minutes. Thank you so, so much. And I know people are going to be really interested to see the related resources that'll be in the YouTube photo montage along with this podcast. So thank you so, so much. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Welcome. 
So for those listening to this podcast, you can find supplemental materials like an image montage with closed captioning, that montage with audio descriptions, a transcript, and an associated blog at my website, www.theudlapproach.com forward slash media. And finally, if you have a story to share about UDL implementation for UDL in 15 minutes, contact me through the UDLapproach.com. And thanks to everyone for your work in revolutionizing education through UDL and making it our goal to develop expert learners.